the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. We are together each and every day, weekday from 3 to 5 p.m., and it's always a pleasure to be with you. Hey, you know, it's Christmas time and uh, it's really Christmas time. I know there's a whole argument about whether or not you should put the tree up before Thanksgiving and all of that. I think COVID changed that. I think the COVID gave us permission to start early, but we're definitely into it. Even though it's still November, it's uh, Advent season. If your church tracks with that, I know that some of your churches is just Sunday last week, but it's the first week of Advent. And uh, we're talking about Christmas. And you know, there's an old song, an old Christmas song that it's the most wonderful time of the year. Right, you know that's it's the most wonderful, and uh, it's a great Christmas song, and and people believe that, right? And it really is. We look forward to it. That's why we decorate, and it means so much with family and memories in our life, memories as kids. You know, one of the things about this, and this is true for you, it's true for me. And if it's not happening in your life, you're not dealing with it right now. It, you are dealing. Somebody you know is dealing with it very, very seriously right now, because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, whenever you are dealing with grief or loss, when you've lost a family member or you're going through a hard time for various reasons, Christmas is extra hard and the holidays are are extra difficult. And we want to acknowledge that here. And you know what we want to do today is talk about this for a little bit. And this is for everybody. So even if you're saying, you know what, I don't have this going on right now. You know what? You will one day. That's how it goes. But also, you know somebody who is. And can I ask you to think about it in those terms that you might want to say, who can I help? Who in my relational world? Who am I working with? Who do I go to school with? Who do I live next to? Who's in my you know, building complex who might need to know the love of Christ in a special way this Christmas? Not just the Christmas story, but the comfort that comes from knowing who he is. And with me to talk about this is a very special guest. And uh, Gina Pastore is here with me in the studio. And uh, we are actually in what's called at KKLA, the Frank Pastore studio. Gina, your husband, Frank, was the host of uh, the show in this time slot, the Frank Pastore show, um, until about 10 years ago. And uh, and many of you who've been listening ever since then, you know the story. Gina Pastore became tragically widowed when uh, Frank Pastore was hit on his motorcycle leaving this studio doing this talk show. And uh, that was such a uh, um, a major deal, obviously, for you and for the listeners. And uh, now it's been 10 years, and Gina is here sitting with me. She's now the author of a couple of books. One is Picking Up My Shattered Pieces, Bouncing Back When Life Throws You a Curveball, and her brand new book, uh, Braided, Woven Together by Tragedy... Three Widows Learn the Beautiful Side of Grief. She is also a radio host on her own now, right here in Los Angeles on KKLA. Uh, she is the host of Real Life with Gina Pastore and David James. I guess you're the co-host. Yes. You know, technically. But we'll let, we'll let uh, Big Wave Dave uh, take the hit on that. He's second in the list there. Uh, and you're also an inspirational speaker. And uh, you've got two children, Frank and Christina, and three grandchildren. 
Well, thank you. What an introduction. Who is this lady? I'm just sitting here. I'm like, wow, I have done a lot in the last 10 years, haven't I? You have. And I'm really glad that you're here. I'm honored to be here with you. And, uh, you know, let's talk about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. 10 years. There are many people listening who've been a part of that journey with you. Some are brand new to hearing this today. But you've got quite a story. Uh, Tell us about uh, this my story oh my goodness well where do I begin with that if if you're listening and you knew who Frank was you listened to Frank you may not know the story about Frank and Gina Pastore we actually eloped when I was just 16 and he had just turned 21 and he was a pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds now you're gonna have to explain the word <laughs> elope to a new generation that means you run away and get married against people's wishes. You just do it. All right. So you, you did this do. at 16. So I you did. Yeah. So Scott, I met Frank when he, I was 11 and he was a much older man of 15. Hmm. And he was at an all boys Catholic high school with my brother, Johnny. My brother, Johnny was the catcher. Frank was the star pitcher. And Frank had come over to the house one day and looked over the kitchen counter and saw me sitting there doing my homework. I was 11 in my robe, and I had a TV tray, remember those? And I was writing a book report, and he said, Johnny, who is that? And my brother said, oh, that's my little sister, Gina. And he came over, and he put his hand out, and he said, hi, Frank Pastore, and you're beautiful. (laughs) And I just about died. I grabbed my school books and ran in the back bedroom And I lived in this loud Italian house. My father was always the manager of my brother's baseball teams. Mm. He wanted to be Tommy Lasorda. He was kind of like the Tommy Lasorda of our hometown. We all had one of those. I had one of those also. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. My dad yelled. He was loud. We were Italian. And so um, anyways, I was shy and introverted. I ran back to my room. And lo and behold, a few years later, I'm now entering an all-girls Catholic high school Hmm. here in Glendora. And Frank had come home. He had been signed by the Cincinnati Reds. He comes back home in the offseason. Of course, he was a bonus baby. He had to go out and buy a little 280Z sports car. He's driving up the street. I'm walking from the school bus, bus in my little uniform. And he rolls down the window and says, Gina, is that you? And I said, oh, hi, Frank. I was dying inside. My heart was pounding, but I was trying to act real cool because I had a crush on him. And he zoomed past me, went to my house, ran in the house and said to my dad, can I take Gina on her first date? I was going to be turning 15 on Thanksgiving Day. So let's see, this was back in 1978. And my dad said, well, you know, we told her she can't date till she's 16, but we know you and all that. So my dad gave him permission. That was my dad's first mistake Mm. because we went out on a date and we started to fall in love. Of course, Frank goes off to play double A ball with the Nashville Sounds and comes back and we start talking. We go on another date. I'm now 16 And we basically fall in love, and he's at the house all the time. Well, in a big Italian family, uh, that can cause a problem because there's lots of yelling going on. My mother was mad at my dad that he ever let me take, you know, that my dad ever let him take me out in the first place. My dad was, like, telling me, would you just cool it and just, you know, calm it down? And your mother's mad at me, so I'm fighting with my mother. Doors are slamming, and... So Frank goes off to play ball again Mm -hmm. for the next season, 
And I've just, you know, I'm getting fed up with all the fighting and all that. So we do what any average, normal 16 and 20-year-old would do. We made a plan to elope. Uh So the following uh, year, first day of my junior year of high school, we eloped. Wow. Yeah. Junior year of high school. So, you know, now this is a story that worked out. We don't really recommend it this worked approach out. if no, you're No, 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 we don't and... recommend it. But it's my story. I, I was embarrassed to tell the story after Frank and I became Christians. And we would go to Christian conferences and stuff. I'd be in these groups. We were on staff with Athletes in Action, mm-hmm. which is Campus Crusade for Christ. And, of course, at some point people would, you know, well, Mary Beth, how did you meet your husband? Well, we were at Baylor together. We were at Biola right. together. And Not, then we it would come my turn, you know. Well, how did you and Frank meet? Oh, he was my brother's friend. I didn't want to t- tell the story. Right. Well, they would, you know, dig and dig and dig. And then finally, I was so embarrassed to tell the story. But, you know, it was a long time ago. It worked out. And God has used it in a powerful way. So <laughs> He certainly has. And that's, a, you know, the Lord's plan. Like, you got to be careful. But sometimes God takes those things. And yes. he, it is his plan. Right. You know, today when I'm counseling couples, uh, there's a lot who meet online and they're beginning to be less embarrassed about that. But it's the same kind of thing. Where'd you meet? Yes. Well, we met on such and such dot com, you know, and, yes. and they make up some other story. But uh, right, right. you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. My guest is Gina Pastore. And uh, if you've got a uh, question for Gina, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, Gina's telling her story. By the way, in a minute later this hour, you're going to have a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the new Johnny Cash, The Redemption of the American Icon movie. I'll tell you more about that later this hour, but stay tuned for that. Gina, so you're telling your story here, and uh, you and Frank elope. Yes. And uh, what did your dad do at this point? Well, so... This is, I'll just go, I never go into the whole elopement story because honestly it would take hours and hours, but. Maybe another book. <laughs> Frank, well, Frank has it all documented in his book, Shattered, and okay. it's also in my book, Picking Up My Shattered Pieces. But we go to the local hometown place to get our license and Frank had taken a, my birth certificate and, you know, switched my numbers around. So we get there. We had a tw- he had a twenty dollar bill. It was eleven dollars. So you had to lie about your age. Yes. Okay. I was he, wondering about that. Yes. Yeah. He okay. had doctored up my uh, birth certificate. Yeah. No, my my baptismal record. Oh. That's what it was. You wow. didn't even need a birth certificate back then. So, anyways, he gives the lady twenty bucks. We head off to Colton, where a judge is waiting to marry us. In the meantime, the ladies at the marriage license bureau feel bad that they forgot to give us our change for $11. Back then, that was a lot of money. Yeah. You know, uh, nine bucks was a lot of money. Now it's a gallon of gas. So, exactly. So, they look up past story in the phone book. Remember those? Uh The yellow phone book. Uh, No past story. They look up my maiden name, which was Pignotti. Very Mm. rare. There's one in the phone book. They call the number. My dad answers. Hi, uh, Mr. Pignotti. This is the, you know, marriage, the the license bureau, and your daughter was just in with her, you know, fiance, and they forgot their change. And my dad says, Gina already has her driver's license. (laughs) No, they got a marriage license. My dad's like, what? So anyways, he put an, an APB out on us. And he has one of his good friends was chief of police and all that. So we didn't know it. We're 
you know, going out to Colton, the judge is about to marry us. They called the judge to tell him. He he tells us, excuse me, my secretary's calling me. I've got to go back in for a minute. He comes back out and basically says, Gina, um, your parents know. Hmm. And Frank and I just break down. We start crying and all that. And this is a long story, but very briefly, we end up getting on a plane to go to Birmingham, Alabama. Frank had played for the Nashville Sounds. We had to get back there to get his car, his belongings, and his last paycheck. Hmm. But the Cincinnati Reds now have been informed, so they're looking for us too. So we are in big trouble. So this is how my marriage starts out. Yeah. (laughs) But to make a long story short, my father ends up just surrendering. Okay, you did this. We're going to give you our blessing, even though this is not how we wanted you to get married. They actually did really like Frank. He was like Mm. part of the family. My father wanted to break his legs, but, you know. So we get to winter ball that year, and the Reds are, you know, wanting to meet with Frank and talk to him. He had eloped with a 16-year-old girl. They actually sent their top scout to do a scouting report on me. So I had a little interview. His name was Chief Bender. And Chief Bender ended up, he gave me the report later, and it said, she's a mature girl. I like her. Her parents are okay with this, and I think she's good for Frank. And so he didn't get released. And he ends up going to spring training. He's 21, mm-hmm. which is very young. He had come out of double A. And he ends up pitching like Cy Young or Tom mm-hmm. Seaver. And just striking people out and all that. Johnny, The great Johnny Bench is his catcher. Mm-hmm. And he basically goes to John McNamara, the manager of the Reds at the time, and says, this kid's ready for the show. So we end up being catapulted into the big leagues. I'm now 17, Frank's 21, and we're in the big leagues. It's amazing what God wants to do, right? Because this is all part of God's plan, you know, for you guys. And, you know, when God wants to do something, he opens up doors that maybe you wouldn't think would be open. He did. (laughs) So our life, you know, we were on top of the world. We were young. Of course, yes, there's, you know, There's lots of uh, distractions in Major League Baseball, lots of long road trips, lots of pretty girls parading around trying to get your man. And I'm only 17, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know. So I had to kind of grow up quick. But um, we loved each other, and our life was good. And through the baseball career, Frank ends up becoming a born-again Christian. He had been We were Catholic. I was very Catholic. Mm -hmm. He was um, not raised Catholic like I was, but he was um, enjoyed going to church. He always went to chapel, but he had a lot of questions and no one could ever answer his questions. Mm. So he just kind of thought, oh, this is kind of silly, but he wanted to be a good athlete and all that. So he went to chapel. But anyways, through a process of events, he ends up becoming a full on uh, has a Pauline conversion, and he's Mr. Apologist. I mean, like the first day he was a Christian, he had read books, um, Evidence Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell and um, C.S. Lewis. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the book that he read. Um, C.S. Lewis is great. Uh, Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity. Yeah. And he gave his life to the Lord, and he was now able to even answer questions to the players that couldn't answer his questions. So Mm. he was just on fire for the Lord. And you know what? I was not happy about it. 
I'm mm. like, don't be a Jesus freak. Every right. time they put a microphone in front of him, he was spouting off about Jesus. I was so embarrassed. Johnny Bench was teasing him and the players were laughing. And I was like, would you please just tone it down? And then he was after me, you know, to give my life over to the Lord. Well, I was raised Catholic. I knew Jesus. I never doubted. But I had never completed the transaction. I had mm. never taken the step where I surrendered completely to the Lord. So my husband's trying to drag me to Bible studies. I'm finding reasons not to go. Finally, I start going and hearing the Word of God and thinking, what is wrong with me? This is really good stuff. And my husband's become a remarkable man. So I slowly give myself over to the Lord. I love the story and what God is doing with you. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Gina Pastore, who is the author of a new book, Braided, Woven Together by Tragedy, Three Widows Learn, The Beautiful Side of Grief. And uh, Gina, as you tell your story, which is a great story, and I love the way God is working. So tell us um, uh, Major League Baseball. Yes. And uh, where do things go from there? And how did we get here 10 years later? There you go. So Frank, as I said, had he was a very intelligent man so and you know for a baseball player especially i don't know why people think jocks are necessarily <laughs> dumb but they're not but my husband always wanted to go to school he was drafted at 17 so um you know he did not he forego uh for you know for did not go to college yeah so um he but he read voraciously all the time so after baseball, his career kind of ends. Pitchers often end up with, you know, arm injuries and stuff like that. So they never truly usually end on a good note. But, you know, he's like, I want to be in ministry. And once again, I'm, you know, giving him a hard time. You want to be a Major League Baseball player's wife, not a pastor's wife. <laughs> Big difference. Well, actually, I had identified, you've got really good gift in broadcasting. And everybody was telling him, he did a lot of, he did some little local shows in Cincinnati, and he was a very good, gifted broadcaster. So I'm like, that's what you should pursue. No, no, I want to be in ministry. I want to teach. So that led to him going on to get, you know, master's degrees, working on a PhD, all of that. He has actually three earned degrees. So he was on this, you know, journey. And, you know, opportunities did come up for him to audition to be a baseball broadcaster. And he would say, no, I, I don't want to do that. I'm called to ministry. Hmm. Well, God has a sense of humor. Yeah. During that time, he's speaking and teaching and sharing his testimony all over California after baseball. And God opens up the door for him to go on the Warren Duffy show. Okay. And you're aware of who Duffy yes. is, correct? So He was before Frank. He was before Frank, yeah. exactly. So um, Frank goes on, and he Dwayne Patterson was the producer, and he tells Frank, you're really good at this. Would you ever like to sit in? And Frank says, well, okay. You know, I don't know if I can do it, but okay, sure, I'll try it. So anyways, to make a long story short, that opens the door. Frank starts sitting in for the great Hugh Hewitt, and he's sitting in for Duffy. Duffy decides to retire. Frank auditions, gets the job, so he ends up here. Right here, in uh, which is now the uh, Frank Pastore studio. Yes. And so that happened, and then tragedy happens. Uh, yes. Years later. So it was November 19th, 2012. Ten Frank, years ago. Frank you know, was sitting yeah. right where you are. Yeah. 
doing the show, he had a professor on from APU, and they were talking about the reality of the soul. And Frank's an apologist, so he loved talking about that. And he uses an analogy and says, you know, tonight I could be riding home on my motorcycle, and I could be struck, and I could be laid out all over the 210 freeway. But that's not me. I my soul will have gone on to be with the Lord. I heard him. I was in the kitchen making dinner and I just thought, oh, I wish he wouldn't say that, you know. Right. So but I didn't think much of it. Uh usually eight o'clock he's walking in the door. It was eight fifteen, he's not home yet. And he always called me if he was gonna be late. So by eight thirty he's not called me. I tried calling him. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to call the studio and check because this is strange that he's not home and he hasn't called me and I can't get a hold of him. So I call producer JJ answers. I tell him, is Frank there? He's not home yet. He said, no, he left right on time. So I said, okay. He goes, well, I'll go down and check. I'll call you back. So he calls me back a few minutes later and tells me that Frank, that he's called Caltrans and, of course, there's news reports right. here at the station. There was a motorcycle down at, I believe it was like 728. So he calls and tells me that, and he gives me the number, and he said, but don't worry, I know it's not Frank. And I said, J.J., that's exactly where Frank would have been around 730, was right where that accident was off the 210. So, anyways, I call, call Caltrans, and they report to me that there was a Frank Pastore hit resuscitated and airlifted to USC Medical Center. And my whole world went blank. Yeah, and your whole world changed instantly. It did. Well, with that, you you came into a part of your world where you're going to have to deal with grief. Uh, he passed away yes. a couple of weeks later. Yes. And many people know that story. And when we come back, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now who have heard your story and it's, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful story that has turned in this way now, you know, in your life and how we want to know how does God use that and how do you use what you've learned about grief to help other people who are going through different stages of grief. And I know there's a lot of listeners who maybe you're dealing with grief this year. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe there is something going on in your life. And if you'd like to give us a call, you can and uh, chat with Gina, 888-528-2557 is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Gina Pastore, and we will be back together in just a moment as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be with you today. My guest is Gina Pastore, and you may know her because of her program right here. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles, she is on uh, KKLA with Real Life with Gina Pastore and David James. But you also might know her because her husband uh, was sitting in this chair and until about 10 years ago when he tragically lost his life, Frank Pastore, of uh, the Frank Pastore Show. And Gina, we, we heard a lot about how you met and got married, and there's a great story in there, how you guys got saved and came to Jesus, and then and all these wonderful things that God is doing through your life with Major League Baseball and just all this wonderful stuff. And then God took him home. God took him home. Yeah, God took him home. And, you know, you said something in the last segment that when Frank was becoming a Christian, he said that he was frustrated that nobody could answer his questions. <laughs> yes. Right. And then, and I thought about this when we're talking about grief and this is something that so many people are going through in the holidays. And if you are listening and you're not going through it, don't turn away because you will go through it one day, but 
there is somebody you know, somebody around you, someone in your relational world who's going through this, and this will be helpful for you as far as how to minister to them uh, the way Jesus would have you minister. So, you know, I think when people go through grief, they have a lot of questions, and even in the church, we're not answering them too well. Right. You know, we have a funeral, and there's a, a meal afterward, and everybody's involved, and there's gifts, but then you're on your own. You're on your own. Yeah, so... and. I am not kidding when I say this. Grief is so misunderstood and overlooked in the American church today yeah. at large. And I I don't like to pick on pastors. I love pastors. They have a lot on their plate. But this whole area of grief and, you know, whether you're a widow, a widower, you lose a child, there's people really in pain and hurting and we do have, there's wonderful organizations like Grief Share, mm. and churches are now kind of coming on board and starting grief ministries and widows ministries, and I'm so glad about that. Yeah. But, and I, myself, um, I, was an, I was an exception to the rule. I, Frank was here at KKLA. Uh, Christian authors who wrote grief books were calling Terry Faye saying, you know, we're going to send Gina our book. I'm offering to talk to her. I had so much support around me, Scott. Mm. But most widows that I talk to now have none of that. Most people don't. And I think no. people don't know what to say. No. Right? Oh, no, no, so, no. They don't. Like what? what's the first thing that somebody who's in that, <laughs> what do you say? How do you stay connected with somebody? I think right. that's the, a big part of it. Even pastors don't know what to say. Yeah. Oh, goodness grief. Yes. I, I, <laughs> had, I had some pastors uh, start preaching the Bible to me and all that. Thankfully, my own pastor, David Rosales at the time, he was so gracious. He would just sit and let me cry. And he and his mm. wife said nothing. They hugged, comforted me and said nothing. And in all honesty, the best thing to do with a grieving person is to say nothing or say, I have no words. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. And just to be with the person who's grieving, you do not want to hear platitudes. Mm -mm. For instance, he's in a much better place. Well, right. I know he's in a better place, but I'm in pain. The grieving person is, is going through intense personal pain like they've never felt before, especially with a vital loss of losing a spouse or a child. You are just beside yourself. So words, you know, I, I love the word of God. I'm all about the word of God. But having people come up and say, you know, quote, Bible verses, it sounds like a platitude. So the best thing to do is to say nothing, just be with the person. You know, you know oh. the book of Proverbs even tells us, you know, don't sing uh, what happy tunes to a hurting heart. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, that's it's a good right verse there. I thought I had heard them all with all this topic, but that's a good one. You know, um, it's interesting, too, because James 1, 26 through 27 talks about they asked Jesus, you know, what is religion and what does he say? Hmm. Pure an unadulterated religion is visiting the widow and the orphan. Yes. And yet in the church, that can be so overlooked. So I don't mean to be on my bully pulpit, but this is very important. Um, so often, too, I think people don't understand what your the grief process is really about. What it really is about is you, just because a person dies does not mean the relationship ends. Mm-hmm. So you lose your spouse, they're gone. 
But the relationship now has to be renegotiated. And that's actually what you're doing through grief. Nobody has to tell you to start crying. You're just automatically, I, I automatically just would cry after Frank died, like every 15 minutes, I would yeah. just weep. And then I would be okay, and then maybe 20 minutes later, I would just weep. My soul was hurting and aching. Animals even, you know, dogs grieve. So it's very natural. The part that's tough, though, is working through that grief, and that's where we fall short. And there's so much, uh, no one's with you, right? You're so alone. You feel very isolated and alone. So I found myself, all of a sudden, I had never picked up a grief book in my life. Now, all I wanted to do was go find grief books, and people were sending them to me. I was reading them. It was so helpful. And I wanted to be around other widows. I was only 51. I turned 51 when Frank was in the coma. I was very young, and I wanted to meet other widows Hmm. because that just felt comforting to me. And the minute I would meet them, in fact, uh, Debbie Rooney... Her, na- her name now is now Debbie Rooney Jaso. She's remarried. But I met her right after Frank died. Her husband and her oldest son were killed in a plane crash. Mm. She was four years out, and a, f- a mutual friend introduced us. And I, I just wanted to be with her. There were no words necessary. She she just would look at me, and we both knew like what, what it was like. And, and her, bless her heart, she had a double loss. But that was so comforting, so comforting. Being connected is very important. Being connected with other people. There's something yes. about, and I think this is, this really is a lot of the message about being in the church. You know, we have a, a role to play, to make disciples. Right. And it's to make disciples going through all the things that happen in life. Right. And being with each other is a big, a big deal. Like if you are, you know, maybe somebody's listening and they're just hiding their grief. I know some people do that and they just want to say, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But deep down they're not. What would you tell them to do? That is very dangerous to do. Um, if you stuff your grief, it's like a cat in a basement. It's going to come out. It's going to bite you in the butt. So people that do that, and it's a very common re, uh, response mm-hmm. because we want to avoid pain. Yeah. The the first year or two, you, you can go through acute grief for up to two years, and people don't know that. It's very common for people to think, why isn't she moving on? Why, oh, this I think is- that's huge for people because people always say the first year is really tough, but it gets better after that. Is that not really that good advice? That is often not true. Yeah. Often the second year can be as hard or even harder. For me, the second year, it got a little better. But I went to counseling, and mm. I was really working. Grief is work. Yeah. Like I said, you're, busy, you're <clears throat> having to put emotional effort into this process. So it's work, and you have to, you know, work at it. It doesn't come easy, and it's hard. So People that think you should just move on and not go through this process are wrong. And I've had to tell widows to tell their pastors or tell people saying that to them that they're wrong. So it's interesting because I have so many – I now counsel. I went back to school for three years and got a certification in what's known as spiritual direction, which is much like pastoral counseling. And so um, I I really wanted to know my cookies and know what I was doing, helping people go through grief and transitions and all of that. So um, 
I've had to teach them to teach others, which is kind of sad, but that's what's happened. But that's the reality of where we are. That's part of making disciples, right? right. So I think that you're, you're definitely on to things that we need to know, especially in the church, that we need to teach others how to grieve and not disengage. I think right. we, we easily disengage from this. We either take ourselves out or we just disengage from that person because we don't know what to say. Right. And, you know, so what advice would you give the person who's listening right now who's saying, you know what, I know somebody who's going through this and I don't know what to say. And I don't know what to and do. And so I'm avoiding the say. relationship or I'm oh, avoiding the topic. boy, that or happens a lot. Or when I see them, you know, it's like, have a nice day. You know? Yeah. No, and that happens a yeah. lot. I meet a lot of widows who, um, in fact, one gal I'm thinking of I counseled a few years ago. She was in a life group. She was involved in her church. It was a smaller church. She kept mentioning her husband. Well, you know, I'll make mm. up a name. Brad would say this, or Brad would do that. And her pastor finally said to her, you need to stop talking about Brad and start using your own brain. Oh. I wanted to get in my car and go up and pinch him. Yeah. Because what she was doing is classic in grief. You are displaying that person. That's part of your re- renegotiating them. And you're carrying parts of them. He was a part of her life. So that's very normal what she was doing. Her life group, they try, you know, she wasn't ready to go back a few weeks. Her husband died of a heart attack instantly. Mm. She wasn't ready to go back. They started to not call her anymore. And they basically dropped her out of the life group. Yeah. And then she was told she needed to be in a widow's group. I think that that's something that for those of us in the church, we've got to be on top of it. You're right to quote uh, that the religion that God believes is uh, pure is the ministry to, to widows and orphans, yes. and and that's the ministry of presence. Now, you have a lot to say on this, obviously, and uh, you've written a couple of books, including a brand new book. Tell us about this book and what people uh, uh, will get if they get this book. It's called <clears throat> um, Braided, Woven Together by Tragedy, Three Widows Learn the Beautiful Side of Grief. You will get the story of three women who went through tragedies. And the two other women I wrote with both lost husbands and sons in accidents. Hmm. So it sounds very sad, but you're going to see how God wove us together, brought us together, and we tell the story, and it's only God that could have done this. And today we do ministry together. We've done retreats together. We speak together. And we have found purpose through our pain. You know, I have a friend who happens to be, who you happen to, I won't mention her name, but she happens to know you. And she's been blessed by your books and your ministry. Aww. And uh, I'll tell you who it is later. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I want to know. <laughs> I think people should know that. Uh, these this exists, and if you're going through this or you know somebody who would, be present and give them a tool. This is a great tool. Uh, this book by Gina Pastore, you can find it on Amazon.com. Yes. Just go to Amazon. You can type in Braided, um, if you remember that, or Gina Pastore. Yes. It'll come up, Yes. and you can get this book on Amazon.com. And, you know, God, over the course of your story, he's using you to, to really help people as much as I'm sure you'd say, I wish this tragedy didn't happen. Right. On the other side of it, it did happen. God is still using you. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, I wish I had Frank back every day. Yeah. But in the process, God and I have a very close relationship now. I had to cling to the Lord. And I am a better person. My character has changed. Hmm. I'm a better person because of this process. Well, we know that God works with us through these difficult times. 
Uh, Gina, it's great to have you on with us and uh, an honor to have you here in the Frank Pastore studio. Thank you. And uh, and getting to know you a little bit has been great. Uh, Gina Pastore is our guest, and she's also the host of Real Life with Gina Pastore and David James on KKLA in Los Angeles. Um, when is that program on? We're on Saturday nights at 730, and we, we talk about all kinds of topics, right. all the things people don't like to talk about. Right. Well, and that we need to talk about. And right. uh, my friends, if you're listening, you need to talk about this and not ignore these things. We all go through them. And if you're saying that's not me, well, it, it will be you one day. One way or another. The book, again, is by Gina Pastore is braided, woven together by tragedy. Three widows learn the beautiful side of grief. Gina, thanks for being with us on Southern California Thank Life. you so much. It was my pleasure. All right. We will be back uh, in the next segment. I'm going to tell you I can win uh, tickets to the new Johnny Cash movie as soon as we get back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. He wanted to be the biggest thing in the world. And he became the biggest thing in the world. And then he stepped back and he said, that's not all there is. There's no lonelier place on earth for a man to be than separated from God. He faced himself, he faced his temptations, he faced his worldliness and came out wanting to be right with God. It's a biblical precedent that God uses complicated people. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. That was a trailer for a brand new movie that is coming out. It's called Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. And uh, you know what? One of the reasons that uh, we're talking about it, and there's a few different things going on here with it, but it's a Christian movie and it's about Johnny Cash, but it's very much about his faith. And I had the opportunity to speak with uh, Greg Laurie, who uh, has, is in the movie, Pastor Greg Laurie, and uh, some other people who you will recognize who are in this movie, the Johnny Cash family. Greg told me that the Johnny Cash family thinks this is the best documentary about the life of Johnny Cash that there is. And I think that's great because he has a Christian testimony and he has a testimony that I think will be relevant for so many of you. I think he's, he's got a testimony that, especially as we get into the this Christmas season, maybe you've got a, a child or a parent or a friend that you are worried about because of drugs or drinking or they're going off the deep end, whatever you say these days, and maybe you're losing hope. A great thing about this movie is it will help you keep the hope that we should have in Jesus Christ. And it's going to come out in a limited engagement in the theaters Monday, December 5th, and Tuesday the 6th, and Wednesday the 7th. That's next week. And we have some pretty good news right here at Southern California Live. We're giving away free tickets, and here's how you do it. Uh, if you're on the line right now, you need to, to hang up the phone. Uh, we're going to do this fairly and squarely. Here we go. Caller 9, be Caller 9 right now to win a pair of tickets to see Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon movie. It will be in theaters throughout Southern California this coming Monday, the 5th, Tuesday the 6th, and Wednesday the 7th. And you can get more ticket information at kkla.com. I want to encourage you to go see this movie. And it's very well done. It is something that it will. It even has, um, and you can call right now. Call right now, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll take the ninth caller. We'll give you two tickets, and it will be in theaters all across the Southland, okay? So wherever you live, if you're in L.A. area, San Diego area, or, you know what, if you're listening and you're on the Alexa or 
you know, the uh, radio app somewhere else in the world, give us a call because it's playing across the country. It's a Fathom event. And you, lots of the Fathom events are like these limited engagement movies or shows. And, you know, it's something great. You can take the family, take some friends to it. The number again is 888-528-2557. We'll take caller number nine to give away the two free tickets. And if you happen to miss out on the tickets, we'll give you uh, another chance tomorrow on Southern California Live. And um, so there you go. You know, um, this type of thing, if you're ever wondering, where do I take my friend? I think around Christmas time a lot, too. There's, There's great opportunities to share your faith with people that normally maybe that would be an awkward conversation to have. And that's because there's Christmas time. We've got Christmas songs, Christmas carols. I mean, you, it's amazing where you hear the gospel presented accidentally sometimes just because of the Christmas carols. You know, Disneyland still has this thing. It's called the, uh, I don't know, but all these choirs go to Disneyland and they have a candlelight processional, I think is what it's called. And Walt came up with that. They still do it. And what's amazing about it is there's two segments to it. There's one part where they sing kind of some just regular old Christmas carols that you might know, and it's a lot of fun. But the main program has all Christian songs, Christian songs, and it has an actor or somebody who comes up and reads the Christmas story right out of Luke 2. And I got to tell you what, my wife and I went to this one year. We went a couple of years a long time ago. And you, when you're thinking about Disney and you're thinking, oh, they're secular and they're woke or whatever, and they're you know kind of against these things, it's probably in their contract. The first time I saw it actually was in Florida, and we didn't know anything about it. We just kind of stumbled upon it. It was at one of the Disney parks in Florida. And we're walking down the road, and we heard James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, the wonderful actor, reading from Luke 2 in this. And we heard these choirs, and we were amazed one of the greatest Christmas programs you ever went to. And I thought it's amazing that the gospel can be presented by in random places, people that you wouldn't understand because it's tied to this Christmas story, which means so much to us. And the gospel of Jesus coming in and who is the savior of the world. And, you know, I think that because it's around, and this is the point I'm making about this time of year, that person who you might think is just too hard to go to church or they're the type of person who says, oh, lightning is going to strike if I walk into a church. Maybe you don't take them to church. Maybe you take them to the Johnny Cash movie because it's going to raise questions. There will be you know, an altar call essentially at the end of it. Hey, if you've got, if you understand who this Jesus is, that's how powerful this movie is going to be. And you know what? I believe that God has placed people in your life, in your relational world, specifically as the plan for their salvation, and they put you in that place. I call that group of people your oikos, okay? It's your relational world. It's people that you go to school with, people that you do life with, people that you go to work with. It is people, they're not necessarily people you like. It's um, maybe people they don't even like you, but they're a part of your life. They're the neighbors. They are... um, a big part of your life. I think they're, I think that plan A for them, as far as making disciples of people coming to Christ, I think you're it. I think that God has placed these peoples. And here's, here's the test for this, okay? This won't work for everybody. This won't work for most of you this time around. But specifically, right now, there's somebody listening who knows somebody who goes to school with somebody or goes to work with somebody who has a friend, a family member who loves Johnny Cash, that they have rediscovered. That song we played at the beginning of this segment, uh, Ring of Fire, um, that's all over social media right now. Do you know that? There's a, there's a meme on social media, 
And I don't, I don't, it's just corny, but it's that song, you know, and it's Johnny Cash. I fell into a burning ring of fire. And then and what's happening in the meme is people are just running down the street carrying some weird object. Like they might be carrying a reindeer from somebody's set or they're eating a cake while they're running and they're playing the song. But what's happened is the the music of Johnny Cash is being reintroduced even to a new generation. There are some musicians where, for some reason, they sort of just transcend whatever era they were actually born into. He's one of them. And I think part of that is because he got saved and he's got such a great story. That person who you know, who's so into Johnny Cash, or that person, that kid maybe, who's got, you know, one of those TikTok accounts that are on Instagram and they're playing that song all the time. They're listening to Johnny Cash. That person who's always talking about Johnny Cash, this is the movie for them. And if you know that person, if that person's coming to mind, can I propose this, that it's not an accident. It's not an accident that you're listening right now. It's not an accident that this movie is coming out next week. And it's not an accident that you are in that person's life, that God has purposefully and providentially placed you in that Johnny Cash fan's life. And maybe that reason is so that they would go to this movie with you where you can say, hey, I know about this Johnny Cash documentary that's coming out. His family says it's the best one about him. Would you come with me? and see this movie. And then afterward, you know what? There's so much about faith. You might find yourself in a situation where that person accepts Christ in the movie theater, or maybe they leave and now they've got a better understanding of what Christianity is and what the power of Jesus can do. I believe God works in this way strategically in the life of the people that God has placed in our relational world. And that's how a movie like this at Christmas time is a great tool. You can tell I get excited about it. I get excited about these things because I know that's true. I know that for some of you are like, well, I don't know anybody who knows Johnny Cash. Fine. Maybe you're, it's not your Oikos, but there's people listening, several people who are going, you know what? My dad's always loved Johnny Cash and he doesn't know the Lord. I'm going to take him to this. The guy who's in the cubicle next to me, he's always listening to Johnny Cash and he wears black all the time. I'm going to take him to this. Listen to that. If it, I believe that's the Holy Spirit prompting you. And you get to go see a great movie that you will enjoy. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to expose this person to the gospel and maybe they'll say, well, not right now, but it's going to stay with them. And the best thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, tell me about what you think about Jesus. And you don't need to have some seminary answer. You just need to be able to say, you know what? Everybody falls short of the glory of God, and whether you're Johnny Cash or you are the the most good person ever to walk this earth, you need a Savior, you've fallen short. And you can say it about yourself, I've fallen short, I've messed up in these ways, but I believe that Jesus saved me. I believe that every human being is looking for eternity somehow. That's why we have religion and philosophy, and it's why we ask questions. I believe the answer is Jesus Christ. I believe that he came down here and he answered every question about philosophy and religion. You can read about that in the book of John. He did. When God himself came to be among us, he answered the religious questions and the philosophical questions of every culture. Jesus did. You can just tell your story and just uphold Christ and see what the Lord does. Can I just challenge you with that? So if you didn't win the tickets, we'll try again tomorrow. Every day this week, we're going to give away two tickets during our program. We're on from three to five, so I encourage you to tune in and do that. And you can get tickets yourself. Just go to johnnycashmovie.com or go to harvest.org slash tickets, harvest.org slash tickets, and you can get tickets. It's December 5th, 6th, and 7th. It's just next week. Limited engagement. Check it out, harvest.org slash tickets. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.